Welcome everyone. I'm Sue Barber, author, former IT director for a Fortune 500 company, turn executive coach, and this is the Visibility Factor podcast, where we explore how to raise your visibility and play bigger at work and in life. We'll explore key topics and welcome guests that help you shift your thinking about yourself so you can see new possibilities for your leadership. I'm on a mission to create a visibility movement for leaders to show their value and be seen for their true talent. Are you ready to take the next step towards a higher level of visibility for yourself? Let's go. The Visibility Factor podcast is brought to you in part by the 90-Day Visibility Breakthrough Accelerator Program. Do you believe deep down inside that you can have a bigger career, but you don't know how to get there? You can keep doing what you're doing, but what if there is a better way that could accelerate your progress? This 90-day program is a powerful experience that is unique to you and provides dedicated time to focus on your specific challenge. It gives you the time to develop big ideas and plans to execute them, including the tools, resources, and motivation needed for success. Hundreds of clients have used this same program to take them to the next level in their career and to create a better life. Join me in a 90-day experience that focuses on challenges like creating a strategic plan, how to lead an organizational change, or prepare for a career transition. This dedicated time will help you see new possibilities, recognize your strengths, and take away key insights that can be leveraged immediately. Are you ready to create a breakthrough for yourself? If you're interested in learning more, visit susanmbarber.com forward slash visibility breakthrough accelerator for more information and to sign up for the program. I look forward to seeing you there. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Visibility Factor podcast. This is Sue Barber, your host. I am beyond excited today to welcome my guest, Becca Powers, to the show. She is a bundle of energy and just uh, so, so smart. And the things she's done, I know you're going to be just wowed by today. So welcome to the show, Becca. I'm so happy to have you here. Yes, I'm so happy to be on too, Sue. Thanks for having me. Of course. So I'd love you to do an intro of yourself so that everybody can get to meet you if they don't know you already. And let's talk about all the cool things you're doing. Oh my gosh. Yes. All right. So let's go. So I am a Fortune 500 sales executive. I'm in the tech space, so I still work full-time. I work for Cisco. I am also a keynote speaker and author of now two books, one book, one workbook. I'm a Kundalini yoga teacher. I'm a mom of a blended family of four young adults. I'm a dog mom. And I think that high level sums up (laughs) So everyone listening, can you believe all those things she's doing, right? And yeah. So just as a little background, Becca and I are in a mastermind together. And so we get to meet every couple of weeks. And uh, every time I hear her and the things that she's doing, I'm just like, wow, I just, how is she doing this in the amount of days and hours that she has to do them in? So let's talk about, first of all, let's start with being a full-time sales executive and an entrepreneur. How are you balancing all of that? It took a lot of practice to not go insane. Um, (laughs) It really did because, you know, I think I I like the word harmony better than balance, but I'm just going to use the word balance because I think it's easier for people to conceptually get. I had to Mm -hmm. figure out what that balance looked like. And I think where I am today, I'm about two and a half years into this adventure. And the thing that has worked for me the best is 
really just structure. I mean, and structure is such a fundamental in everything. And I, when you're doing both, sometimes that doesn't exist. Or even an entrepreneur, it's so hard to put in structure. And uh, what I ended up doing to make my worlds work together is Monday is kind of like a blended day for me because it's light at Cisco. It's kind of like a day where I can take calls and podcasts and do all those things. And then um, Tuesday, Wednesday, uh, Thursday, I really commit to Cisco and the the things that I do do for my entrepreneur business, the author speaking, or normally in the morning. So I'm, I'm an early riser. I wake up about 5.30. That's when I like to write. I feel like that's my ideal creative time. So I just pour my heart and soul into everything. And then Friday's kind of like a wrap on the week. And I try to take my weekends off. So that's it in a nutshell. Yeah. Okay, everybody. If you want to have the best of both worlds, here's how you do it. <laughs> Follow her plan. So can we dig into a little bit of your role at Cisco? Uh, I would just be interested to see, because you are working full-time in a company, like what are you seeing is happening for leaders today and the challenges that they're facing? Is there any kind of things that are sticking out to you as a top issue? Absolutely. I think with being a leader now, there there's a lot of, of things. I mean, hybrid is an awesome feature. I don't know if it's a feature, but it's just an accommodation that's had to have been made because of COVID. And it's amazing. Um, but for sales, because I'm in the sales world, it has impacted the way that we interact with in a big company like Cisco. We team sell. It's impacted the way that we um, work with each other and it's impacted our the way we engage with our customers. The good news is um, a lot of it has been, um, you know, like this, we're, we're seeing each other right now. Cisco has WebEx. We're able to use our solutions to really stay connected. But we are losing a little bit of that physical touch. And I think in sales, if I was to say that that's probably the thing we're looking to overcome the most is how do we replace that one-on-one per face-to-face that used to be so prevalent in outside sales. So that's just one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, it's how you build connection with people, you know, even though you can do it online, right? But I think there is something, yes. especially when you're talking about technology, some of those things, you just almost need to be in the room and like draw on paper. <laughs> I was just going to say like the, the whiteboarding, yeah. the questions that get asked, um, multitasking is part of the virtual work world mm-hmm. now. So even people are getting camera fatigue, they are getting meeting fatigue. So those are and in that same umbrella. Those are some of the side things that we're trying to, you know, make sure our teams aren't fatigued. And then also how do we increase the engagement when we are doing mm-hmm these type of activities because we can't whiteboard or we don't have Johnny that's sitting in the side room. We've talked about introverts and extroverts, but the introvert sitting in the back of the room, finally raising his hand and asking that Mm -hmm. question. Normally he's not, that person's not interrupting the meeting when it's virtual. So I think we're losing some, you know, some aspects that we used to have before. Oh, that makes total sense. Okay. So I want to talk about your book first, Harness Your Inner CEO. Tell me about the story of how that came to to be, because I know the backstory, but I think it would be fascinating for other people to hear. And what are you really hoping that readers would take away from that? Awesome. So uh, the addressing part one, how did I write this book? What happened? What's my backstory? Um, well, <laughs> I'm a sales executive and I was leading a team for three years at an organization and I had my priorities all upside down, if I'm just 
making it getting straighter straight to the point. I um, I think I know you have a lot of leaders um, in your in your listenership, and I think it's very common, especially if we're service based, we're impact based, we want to make a difference. That um, for me, all those things, I was all of those things, and so I dumped my heart and soul into making sure that my I led my team well, that I understood the missions and the purpose of the company, that I was aligning with that, and um, you know, also I was raising a family and you know, primary breadwinner, you start adding complexities in, I gave all of myself every day. And so I ended up burning, I ended up in severe burnout, but I actually collapsed to the bathroom floor one night um, in what now I know is a nervous breakdown. And it was in that moment of uh, feeling the most powerless in life that I ever had that I remembered a phrase that a former VP of sales had told me when when I was kind of on one of my life highs, making good decisions, getting promoted, doing in one of those runs, he had said to me like, Becca, I'm really proud of you. You're the CEO of your life. And I remember that that statement, it was like one of the ones that grabbed me. It just always kind of stayed with me. So as I'm in this most powerless state, I recall that voice of my man, that my VP of sales saying, Becca, you're the CEO of your life. And in that moment, I felt so empowered. I actually felt my inner strength rise like 10 times because I was like, if I'm the CEO of my life, then I have a lot more power in all of this than I think I do. And I rose off the floor a different woman than the one that went down. And it was a two-year healing journey of learning priorities, setting boundaries, and exploring what worked for me, what worked for my family, how can I, you know, crush my goals and go for the success that I know I want and I know I'm capable of, but how can I do it in a way that's sustainable? How can I do it in a way that um, promotes my well-being instead of takes from it? And so, you know, what would I want readers to get away from the book is it's possible. You know, if you prioritize your your I kind of like say prioritize yourself first. Then you tap into passion. Like the whole reason I started writing was because I've been writing since I was a kid. Like, yes, now I had a story to tell, but it was giving myself permission to have passion and dreams. And it didn't matter whether I made money at it or not. It just, I allowed that space. And then the success and everything I was chasing actually became more bountiful as a result of me putting myself and my passions first. Wow. I mean, imagine that where you were to where you are now is, and there's way more to her story, everybody that <laughs> is in her book, um, a lot more and the stuff I didn't even know, Becca, until I read your book. So there's a lot of things that I think we can choose in those moments of how to respond, right? We can play a victim and we can feel sorry for ourselves or we can try to do something towards taking action of anything. And, and I know that's hard in those moments to even say, what could I possibly do? Um, but I think your example and your inspiration of doing that um, proves it's possible. Yeah, and it is. And I think, you know, if I could share just like a little side story, because I always get like, well, what is that first step? Like, what did you mm-hmm. do? And, you know, again, I, I, I was a leader. I was leading a team. I'm mama four at home. I had no idea what to do. All I knew is that continuing the same way I had was going to bring me back to the bathroom floor. And so when mm-hmm. I went into uh, work the next day, the fir- my first lesson 
was presented to me. I got called into a meeting, which we typically do as leaders. There's another project. I'm always like the yes man, you know, the yes manager, or the yes leader. Yeah, I'll do that. I love that, you know. And I felt myself taking the bait again, like, yes, I'll take on this project. And then I was thinking, I don't even have room to breathe. How am I going to say yes to taking on one more thing? And I was like, I have to say no. And that was probably one of the scariest things that I had done in a long time was say no, especially at work. And But then I realized that instead of passing on it, I could pass it on. And I think we're really resourceful as leaders. So there was like a lesson in here that I took away is that I knew that there was another emerging leader in the organization that would have been a good fit for this project. And so I said, at this time, my place really full. I was just completely honest. My heart's beating. I'm like, oh my God, like, (laughs) am I going to get fired because I didn't take on? Like, those are the crazy thoughts that are going through my head. And I recommended the person that I thought would be great. No one got mad at me. And that person, it gave them a track to get the promotion that they were seeing because now they had a real result. And so there's something magical that also happens when you start shifting all of this, the beliefs and the prioritization. Wow, amazing. I mean, I'm sure that person was thrilled that you said no. <laughs> Worked out for them for sure. Yeah, like, thank you. <laughs> Uh-huh. Uh, so I want to talk about a couple concepts in the book. Uh, and maybe if there's anything else you want to add on from a boundary standpoint, because I know you talk about boundaries. Sure. So maybe we could start there since you just were talking about that. And then I'll go into some of these other things I wanted to expand on. Yeah. So my my one, I always like to call it one big boundary. And the biggest, baddest boundary you could ever set is the one with yourself. You know, if we're going back to both of the stories that I just shared, I really didn't have any boundaries. I might've had boundaries in ways that I think people generally take them in. Like with my husband, if you yell at me, then I'm going to walk away. I don't know, like something <laughs> like that, right? But really it's the boundaries with yourself. And 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 the biggest one I was able to put implement for myself is if saying yes to something else made me say no to myself, then I really had to decide whether I was going to say yes or not. And I kind of want to just click into that one minute because a lot of people are like, well, I have to go to the wedding or I have to do this. I can't put in boundaries. You don't understand. I'm like, actually, no, I really do understand. (laughs) The thing is that you have the power of choice and choices are either help us or they hurt us. They empower us or they disempower us. And once I really understood that that's what the boundary was, was really within my choice. I knew that if I had to take on a project or go to an event that I didn't want to go to or something like that, and it was going to zap me, it was my responsibility to give me an opportunity to get that energy back. And so that's Mm -hmm. really how I see boundaries is that it's really with yourself and what you allow and not allow to happen. 100% agree. I just was having a boundaries discussion yesterday and I feel like it's just a whole space to explore. Uh, If you don't have enough boundaries in your life, if you're people pleasing, if you are saying yes to everything, explore boundaries because I do feel like we take all of our energy and give it to other people. And then we have nothing left for ourselves or our kids or our families. And it's just, it's a hard place to be. It's such a hard place to be. And again, like I feel like leaders need boundaries more than every anything because 
we, and it's, it's, it's that double-sided coin. There's one that's a, is a people-pleasing aspect. And there's one that is really like, almost like a selflessness. Like I'm going to make, again, it's impact-based. It's, it's difference-making based. It's, it's in service. And so it doesn't feel like you're sacrificing, but you are. Like it feels like the right thing to do, right? I should do that. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's, yeah, so amazing. So I'm going to read something from your book because I captured this quote that you had and I'd love you to expand on it because I think it's so amazing. When you prioritize an ideal person, place, or thing before you prioritize yourself, you are inviting dysfunction, disempowerment, and disruption in your life. I still get the goosebumps all Powerful. Oh my gosh. So tell me how that came for you. It's really just an expansion (laughs) of everything we're talking about. So I'm so glad you highlighted that quote because I'm like, hey, I'm still in the zone. Um, So, Mm -hmm. you know, in my story, you know, I already shared that I prioritized work. I prioritized being a breadwinner. I prioritized my family and... So leaders out there, you'll probably identify with this. I have a very strong people before profits belief. It's a mantra. It's a belief. I still have it today. The thing is, this is why I put ideal in that, because I don't think we stop to think about our ideals. And that mantra actually had me uh, like abort myself. Like I left myself because I believed in it so much. I mean, I was working 12 hour days. You know, I at home was thinking about how I could make a bigger impact in the company. And like, meanwhile, I'm on fumes. I'm not making an impact in the company. I mean, I am, but I'm not because I'm running on nothing when I'm home. um, Burnout steals your presence. So I'm not present at home. I'm really not present in the job that I'm giving everything for. And I think it's so upside down. And so that's why I said that. I'm like, when you prioritize, Mm -hmm. when I prioritize people before profits, I actually also put an ideal before myself. Wow. I mean, that's so... I resonated so much with that because that was my story as well. Uh, I I always talk about, I was, I felt like I was on a merry-go-round and I just couldn't get off the merry-go-round because there was so much to do always at home and at work. And I would probably have like an hour to myself that was just me at night. And by then I'm so exhausted. I just went to bed. So I do feel like it is upside down and, um, and I think, you know, like what you just talked about just made me think of how can you be creative? How can you be innovative? How can you come up with new ideas when you're just running like crazy? Oh my gosh, that gives me the goosebumps because that's exactly right. That space doesn't exist when you are thin, when everything's mm-hmm. prioritized first. And the weird thing is, is that when you prioritize yourself first, it sounds weird to people but it really does allow you to do all those things that you really wanted to do because now you're managing yourself. You're managing your energy. You're playing that, does this, you know, is this going to zap me or is this going to fuel me up? The goal is to say yes to more things that are going to fuel you up and no to things that are going to zap your energy. Again, we have to make commitments that we don't want to make. That's cool. Mm-hmm. But to your point, when you have energy, you're innovative, you're creative, you're thinking outside the box. And then you're doing all the contributions that you really wanted to do when you're running on empty. And that's why I'm like, when I healed, I was like, oh my God, I had it all wrong. 
I definitely did as well. So um, yeah, hopefully you can hear from both Becca's and my story that, you know, we're giving you a permission slip to flip it the other way, that you yes. don't have to do it the way you're doing it. And uh, no one's going to be mad. I remember the first time I said no to, I was like, wow, they're going to be so mad. No, no one cared. They're like, sure, that's fine. We'll do that. So isn't that the funniest thing? They're like, oh yeah, okay. And I'm like, oh my God. I was like, my heart was beating. I felt sick in my stomach. And I'm like, no one cared. Uh, we create these silly stories. I'm crazy. We do. Uh, so could we talk about the ladder of self-worth? Ooh. I think it's a good time to talk about that with what we were just sharing. So can you yes. share what makes up the ladder and... I know for you, it was a little backwards. So I think that would help people too. Yeah. So this is a really practical thing. So I I put five rungs to the ladder of self-worth. And if your ladder is healthy, this is what it would look like. It would have you at first, um, God, universe, source, however you identify. Second, then your family or most intimate relationships. Then you would have your extended relationships. And then you would have your beliefs, ideals, and things like that. I know it sounds crazy. But it, that's how you function. And I do, for anybody who's super uh, religious that listens to this, I know the one thing I get is like, hey, you know, well, I want to put God first. I'm never going to get in anybody's way of whether they want to put, you know, God first or God second. But what I would say, because I'm going to go back to how my ladder was all messed up, is that if you are prioritizing God before yourself, and it makes you sacrifice yourself in any way, then you might need to just temporarily move it down until you get, until you got it. And I was very much a God before me um, person. And what I learned, and in this like space of like, you know, when everything, when you, when the aha happens, then all the connections are going and you're like, oh my God, like sensory overload. What I learned was that, um, as a mom, I'm just going to use this analogy. As a mom, I would never want my kids to put me before them. I would want them to put themselves first and then come to me and be like, mom, I need money. <laughs> mom, like, here's my dreams. Mom, I need support. Mom, I need this. And then I would, it would be my honor to serve them and support them. And so when I was able to be like, wow, I am, you know, God's child and the universe wants to support me. Like maybe I should put myself first and allow the universe to support me instead of being in um, in an upside down way. So anyway, that was a little bit of a, a side rail, but I do think because um, spirit, soul, connection, passion, whatever word you want to use is a really important part of the formula to um, thrive and feel good. So you got to be connected with that piece. Um, where I was on the ladder, and maybe if you're listening to this, you can see if, if your ladder looked the same as I had work, beliefs, money, all those things first. Then I would say I had God. Then I would have my family. And then I would have other people's. And me, I was all the way at the bottom. I don't even know if I was on there, Sue, to be honest. <laughs> I was like, what? When I, was I on the ladder? Come on, get on the ladder. Yeah. No, no, I can't. <laughs> Yeah. Wow. That's so amazing. Well, and I would probably, I don't know. I was trying to do my ladder as I was thinking about this last night. Like, what would my, I mean, my ladder probably was similar. My work was definitely top. Yes. 
For sure. I mean, I tell, I don't know if I took the story out of the book. I can't remember. It was in, it was out, it was in, it was out. But I literally was standing at a volleyball tournament where my children are both playing and, you know, the gymnasiums are so loud in a volleyball tournament. And I'm on a support call at the same time. And I couldn't call, I couldn't talk because all they were going to hear is the, you know, the people cheering in the background. It was ridiculous that I thought I needed to even be on that call at that moment. Like, delegate to your team, Sue. But in that moment, I thought, nope. This is important. They sent me a note. I have to be on here. And I was so worried about disappointing other people and that I wasn't showing up or I wasn't doing my job, even though it was a weekend, right? I didn't even have to do that. So I think there's so many stories that need to be reviewed in our heads to say, where are we on that ladder? And is our priority list in the right place? Yeah. Because it probably isn't if you're feeling like anything like we just talked yeah, about. Yeah, I would agree. And just even using your volleyball example, you know, for the listeners, that's, I'm sure almost every listener can identify at a point in their career where they've missed some important function that was not work-related and they were on a support call or on some type of call <laughs> because they really felt like it mattered. And what I've learned is that that overcommitment steals our presence and that it is our presence is our problem or lack of it, you know? And when you begin to, if we're rewinding the conversation and when we begin to put boundaries and when we give ourselves permission to prioritize ourselves, when we adjust our ladder and um, what happens is you begin to have presence. And, you know, when, when you came on my podcast, I mean, we were almost in, in tears because I'm remembering mm-hmm. like times when I wasn't present for my kids. You know, I was so exhausted by the time I got home, I wasn't even available to like hug them because I'm like, I need five minutes. <laughs> yes. That's not the mom I wanted yeah. to be. Yeah. I would come home and lay on the bed and literally like fall asleep for five minutes because I just needed to like get my energy back <laughs> after the yes. day. You know, I wouldn't get home till 7 p.m. And, you know, they're ready to see and play and talk to me. And like, I need five minutes to just lay on the bed and then I'll be back. I promise. <laughs> yeah. Not not ideal uh, at all. People listen to our challenges that we had. So struggle was real. <laughs> I know you. Yeah, exactly. I know you talk a lot about you know the things that your kids have learned from you mm-hmm. as you have gone through all of these different challenges and experiences. What do you think has been the most important lesson that you have taught them, and what would you recommend to others? Um, I you know I'm going to go back to presence. I think that. When we can adjust all these things, it's kids learn through our actions. So I'm going to digress just to to give it a little meat. Um, Kids learn through our actions more than our words. So when I, it makes me want to tear because it was so profound. When I chose to prioritize myself, it meant I also chose to prioritize my family because I was now saying no to things that were overextending me. And I was present. I was present. I was there for their conversation. I wasn't thinking about the meeting. And in turn, it helped them feel like they mattered. They were heard. They were seen. And, you know, now I see a confidence to them. They're going for their dreams. And that, I think, is the lesson that they learned is that when they're seen and heard and feel like they matter, they can reach, you know, reach the sky. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I am yeah. glad I got a chance to readjust myself so I can see it. 
I am too, because you're like the safe space in the world of comparison and social media, like parents are the safe space for their kids to be able to disconnect and to know that they're being heard and to be seen, right? For who they really are, not for who other people think that they are. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I get the goosebumps, but it gave my daughter the space to change majors. It gave my son the courage to leave home. I mean, he probably wanted to leave home anyway, but like when I see their resilience um, and confidence, it makes me like just beam from the inside out. Yay. So cool. Okay. So let's switch topics for a second here. I would love to talk about your new books. I have this one here actually for when we're doing video, the workplace burnout workbook. So tell me a little bit about why you felt having this out in the world was important. So that's a really good question. And it stems from everything we talked about. So I really appreciate you leading me because it's perfect. Um, So when I go back, when I talked about um, hitting the bathroom floor, my most powerless moment, then feeling uh, empowered to rise up, I changed the trajectory of my life. Priorities changed. Boundaries were put in place. You know, passions were brought back. Miracles started to happen. And as my readership grew for Harness Your Inner CEO, the ask from the readers was, okay, now I feel empowered, but can you help me like understand, identify, and prevent burnout so I don't do it again? Like they were Mm -hmm. feeling empowered to make the change, but could it be sustainable? And so then I was like, well, that's a really good question. Let me, and like, I know burnout really well. I've been in it. I've probably burnt out at least three or four times in my career. I have led people who are also burnt out, um, you know, with my background being like in life coach, my specialty is shadow beliefs. I'm a Kundalini yoga teacher. So there's a lot of inner child and trauma work that um, is in my background. So I was like, well, let me go ahead and see if I can share burnout in a way that just is really easy for people to understand. And um, I created my own framework, which is the five stages of burnout. But what I realized is even just, in, and I'll share it here so the listeners can hear it. But as I started to share the framework, I realized that it really was landing in a super easy way to understand and that it was transforming people. Like, like in two minutes, people would have an aha and I'm like, oh my God, that is incredible. And I got I to gotta publish that. <laughs> <laughs> get it out there in the world. <laughs> got to get it out there in the world. So I know that you uh, just recently launched this. So it is out in the world for people to find. And what do you think has been the biggest surprise, like feedback from people that you've received? Uh, you know, it's, it's been incredible. One is just the understanding of it. And that they can catch themselves at home and at work like that. And then two is just like the presence. Like I can't, I think that's like my new favorite word is that when you start (laughs) healing from burnout and you start doing all the things that we've talked about, your presence increases. And so they're like, oh, my marriage is saved. Oh, you know, that the problems that I was having with my kids are just gone. It's really weird. No, it's not weird. It's like you're you're available. <laughs> you're available. Um, would I be able to share stage one and stage two? Or sure, I, sure. It may even be a, do a quick trip through the, through the five. But um, what I found in my research, and I did survey 8,000 people, um, working professionals all across industries from corporate, from corporate folks to healthcare to 
entrepreneurs, is everybody. Um, but what I learned is that, and we were just talking about it, that burnout ignites uh, in feeling unseen, unheard, and like we don't matter. I call it the uns. So I'll say like unwanted, unloved, unseen, like in the uns. And so when we feel an un, um, let's just use unheard for an example at work, uh, then we begin to feel the unders and that would be stage one of burnout. That would be, I'm feeling undervalued, underappreciated, underrecognized. And in shadow work, when we feel, when we have our, our core wounds, which is like, I'm not good enough, I'm not safe, all that stuff is, is in the, wrapped up in the, in the uns, <laughs> um, <laughs> we then start to feel those under, the unders. And when the unders are triggered, it is our natural reaction to overcompensate. So what this looks like in the workforce is overworking. All the things we talked about, overworking, overextending, overstressing, overanalyzing. How many times have I looked at a spreadsheet for four hours? My God, you know, <laughs> like all of these things. And then, um, so that would be stage two is the over. Stage one is the unders. And, um, you know, then once you're in stage two and you're talking about, hey, um, you've been unseen, undervalued and to say overworking for an X amount of time. Now you're c- contemplating, am I even in the right place? You start questioning your belonging. Should, and I always call it like, should I stay or should I go? Most people, we, we don't have the agency to take action because we don't actually know what's going on yet. There's not enough awareness. So then I call it like this harmony in the body is you stay at the job that you know is not a fit. You don't know what you know, you're not ready to leave. So then you start feeling your mental health go, your physical body, start having aches and pains, which we ignore. We're like, oh, that knot in my shoulder must have been from working out. Can't possibly be from the amount of stress I've been carrying. Not at all. And then just to fast forward, so stage five would be, um, I call it the devastation of the D's, but that's where I was when I hit the bathroom floor. I was on the verge verge of divorce. I disconnected relationships with my kids. I formed autoimmune disease. Um, I was, I was depressed. So like, I call it the D's like that's debt, like anything like that would happen in stage five. But going back to the question and sharing that so simply, I mean, people are like, oh, I'm, I'm there. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now I know. (laughs) Yeah. I think it's really fascinating because it's very um, practical. It's easy to figure out maybe what stage you're at and, I think you've given people like terminology and a guide to do that. It's really hard when you're in those experiences to see it for yourself, unless someone kind of taps you on the shoulder and says, hey, (laughs) something's going on for you. I'm not sure if you realize it or not. And I think when we have the ability to do that for ourselves, it just helps us move through it faster because now we've built self-awareness. We can see it on a regular basis if it happens again. Yes. Yeah, I love, love, love it. I'm so excited. Yes, I'm excited to do my own in your book. (laughs) And to share it, I've already shared it with uh, other people. So I'm hoping that it's continuing to um, sell like like wildfire for you. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, so we're going to transition into what I call the Rise Up and Be Visible Quick Tips. So these are four questions that I ask everybody. So the first one, visibility is fill in the blank and then tell us why you responded that way. Visibility for me is being seen for who you truly are. And the reason I answered that that way is because when I reflect on the times I wasn't visible, 
was because I was questioning myself. Mm. Yeah, it's a sign of, right, you're doubting or mm-hmm. maybe a lack of self-worth, all those things yeah. kind of coming together. Yeah. The next question, how are you being visible? Maybe the question is, how are you not being visible? <laughs> I know. you're so visible. Oh, man. But, yeah, so I, I definitely had to work through, and when you've become like super, super visible, you have to work through a lot. Even when you're first doing your visibility moves, it's, <laughs> you know, you got to work that nervous system like, oh, it's okay. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, right now I'm at a place where I am sharing my work unapologetically, showing up on all the social channels, podcasting, same as you, like I'm just, I'm mm-hmm. going for it. There's there's a need for the work that we both do. And I feel that I'm finally at a point where it's not about me. It's if I'm not visible, I can't help people. Mm-hmm. And that was a really big shift for me, like in here. Mm-hmm. And I love the way that you share all the things, the great things that Cisco is doing too. Like number one company right now, what was that? Um, survey for was it number one a number one place best to company work? to work for yeah yeah best company um, to work for okay. for in fortune and best companies to work for yeah I yeah. mean it's amazing so yeah it just shows that you have the right place for you for sure yeah, it's awesome okay next question best leadership or career advice you've received you know I'm thinking on the fly and it's going back to like you're the CEO of your life because that like changed my mm-hmm. whole trajectory but also I think that the best advice I ever got was like, show up as yourself, like show up with your passion, show up um, with your talent. Don't play small. And that came to me like small story to that, but I was in my repair process. So my, my confidence was up, but I can't say I was whole yet. (laughs) And I went up to an executive and I just really loved her, um, her style, the way she presented, her strategy. Like she was unapologetically a badass. And I was just (laughs) like, I was like, I joked around. I was like, hey, I have like an instant like woman crush on you. Like, can I, can you enter (laughs) me? Like I was just joking around. But she actually said, she's like, the reason you see it in me is because it's in you. Ooh, wow. That gave me goosebumps. And so at that, (laughs) yes. And so- I had to share that story because I'm like, how do I say that with just like a sentence? But that was probably another one that would really like hit me hard. That is so amazing. That's so cool that she said that to you too. Last question. Mm -hmm. Uh, What is a book you've read recently that you would recommend? The Visibility Factor. (laughs) Or Harness Your Inner CEO. Like that's the one I would say. That was just so good. For sure. Yeah. so a book I'm reading right now is probably more on the spiritual side, Soul Searching with from mm. Bill Phillips. I recently had him on my podcast, but it's so good because it, you know, a lot of grand concepts like surrender and gratitude and forgiveness are for me anyway. So like I've heard them my whole life, but I find them hard to do, like hard to practice. Like, how do you do it? And I feel mm-hmm. like, I don't know, his book is helping me with some of those grander concepts. <laughs> Nice. Well, that's the important thing. I love it. Yeah, because I do think, and it's, I think it's hard to do consistently, even if you, there's a start and stop sometimes to it that yes. um, if you can do it consistently, I do feel like it's better when I remember those moments where I'm like, oh, you aren't journaling right now, or you aren't doing this. That's, that's why I'm feeling this way. So I need to do it again. And I think it does make a difference for sure. Any last things you want to share with the audience? 
yes, you're worth it. You're worth prioritizing and feeling the joy and abundance that life has to offer by looking at your priorities and reshifting them. Yeah. Look at your ladder of self-worth, everyone. That's right, baby. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for being here. I love you as a person. I love everything Same. you do. And I know your story and what you've been through. And to see you now is amazing. And I know the light and love you're putting out in the world. And that's making such a difference for so many people. So I am thrilled to get to know you and spend time with you. And I hope everybody feels the same after hearing your story today. Uh, awesome. Thank you so much for having me on. Of Leaving course. the show with a warm heart. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. That's what we want all our guests to feel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right. Well, I will share all of Becca's information about her books and everything else uh, in the show notes. So please check her out. Uh, she is on LinkedIn a lot. So if you want to follow her, you will definitely see all about Becca uh, on there and all the things that she's doing and, and upcoming speaking gigs and other stuff that you you have going on. So thank you so much for joining on today's Visibility Factor podcast, and we'll catch you on the next one. Thanks so much for listening to the Visibility Factor podcast. Remember that visibility starts with small steps that are intentional and consistent each day. Be bold, be visible, be the leader you were meant to be. Find us and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Follow us on all of our social media platforms, which are highlighted in the show notes. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Visibility Factor podcast.